Good morning. We are going to be in Mark chapter 4 this morning. If you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to take all of our points out of Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible or if you prefer to follow along, the scriptures are going to be right up here as always because our tech team is awesome, right? Yes. My son-in-law is on the camera, so I'm going to be moving really quickly just to, just to mess with him. <laughs> uh, 1957. 1957, a 15-year-old high school freshman named Melba Beals was one of nine students that uh, helped integrate uh, Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, before the the school year even started, the local newspaper had um, printed the names of all of the students, given their addresses, and given their phone numbers. So Melba's family was was getting threatening phone calls all during the day and at really ungodly hours of the night. There was a group of men that drove by her house and shot rifles in through the windows. And because the, the police wouldn't do anything about it, they had to bring in the army to escort the students to and from school. Now, there was mobs that would surround Central High School as, as the students were showing up, and they were, they were screaming, throwing rocks, threatening them, their lives, their families, all kinds of horrible things. And it wasn't much better when they got in the school. Melba had uh, eggs cracked over her head. Uh, one time when she was in the, the restroom, um, some, some girls blocked her in, and they, they dumped uh, paper that they had set on fire on top of her. And worst of all, they, uh, they splashed acid on her. Yeah. So there was a lot of pressure going on here. One student didn't, one of the nine didn't even make it through the first week. Only four of the students came back after the Christmas break. And Melba felt this stress. She felt this pressure to be there. She was determined that she was going to make it through the school year. But she had all this stress put on her. You know, the, the, the stress of being a pioneer so other students could go to school. The stress of not being able to retaliate when, when you're being persecuted. And then just the stress of wanting to be a normal kid. Why can't I just quit and, and go, go back to my school and just be a normal kid? And all this is just piling up on top of her. What she said, and I'm going to read it to you here in just a second, in her, in her biography, that she would have never made it through. The stress and the pressure that was put on her, she would have never made it through if it hadn't been for God. And this is what she writes in her autobiography. While she's going through all of this, she writes, for the first time, God became real in my life. 
For the first time, God became real in my life. He no longer was just words on the page of a hymnal or in the Bible. He was real, alive, and demonstrating his love for me. For the first time in my life, I felt I had a direct connection to God and a God who was mine. And I began to talk to God as if he were a friend. Now, all this stress, all this pressure, all this stuff is coming on her. And this is when she recognizes that God is real and God is alive. And we're in a lesson series called Lies That We Tell Ourselves. And this morning's lie is that I can handle stress. I can handle stress. In other words, I can handle it all by myself. Most of us will never know the kind of stress that Melba Beals went through, but we do experience stress, don't we? Healthline.com says the effects of stress on the human body are devastating and can include the following. Emotionally, it can bring irritability, anxiety, insomnia, depression, eating disorders, drug and alcohol abuse, social withdrawal. Physically, it can bring headaches, heartburn, weakened immune system, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, ulcers, digestive issues, fertility problems, and low sex drive. Stress, we think that we can handle stress But this is what doctors say stress does to our body. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not here to give you any kind of medical advice. Uh, I don't want to hear anybody say when I get done with my message, because we're going to talk about some spiritual ways to handle stress. But I don't want to hear anybody say, well, you know, I have high blood sugar, and uh, Pastor Chris said just do these things, so I'm not going to go to the doctor anymore. If you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. If you have high blood sugar, put a donut down and go to the doctor, okay? Don't try to blame anything on me. So stress is a bully, and it's out to steal our peace. So I'm going to give you this morning four techniques to avoid stress while connecting with the Prince of Peace. Find Mark. Mark 4, starting in verse 35. Mark 4, 35 says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. Okay, so here's the first thing that you can do to help avoid stress in your life. Do what God says do. Do what God says do. We encounter stress by not following God's instructions. When we live contrary to God's word, we open ourselves up and we open the door for attack. But this comes into our our modern society where we don't really know the word of God. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's shameful because I'm not going to put shame on anybody. I don't believe in shame. But it's sad sometimes how woefully ignorant we can be of God's word. 
I had somebody call me um, one time and said, hey, can I come in and talk? Sure. So we set up a time for this person to come in and talk to me. And they were just going through all these things in their lives. And they're trying to figure it out by themselves, how they can do it, how they can make it happen. And I said, well, your first problem is you're trying to do it all by yourself. You're not inviting God into the situation. And this person looked at me and said, well, the Bible says God helps those that help themselves. You know why that's not funny to some of you? Because you think that's in the Bible. I looked at this person and I said, no, the Bible does not say that. Benjamin Franklin said that. He also said cleanliness is next to godliness, so if you're ever trying to find that in the Bible, it's not in there either. This person didn't know the Word, didn't understand the Word, and and they were stopped because they didn't know what God wanted them to do. What is God saying about your situation? We all have situations. Every one of us have something going on in our lives. What is God saying about that situation? Do what God says. You don't have to do any more. Just do what God says. God made, uh, Jesus made mud one time and, and stuck it in a guy's eyes and he said, go wash. That's all he had to do. Well, I don't have to become super holy. I don't have to do this. I don't have, no, just do what God says. So if God makes mud and spits in your, in your eye, just go wash it off. If he says wash, go wash. That's all you have to do. If God says go, you go. If he says stay, you stay. I had an old preacher tell me one time, he said, it is just as illegal to sit at a green light as it is to drive through a red light. Sometimes we're wanting to move before God says move. Sometimes we're sitting when God's going, go, go, go. Stress comes when we're not diligent to do what God said to do. But peace comes when we're diligent to obey God with our finances, with our relationships, with our attitudes, whatever it might be. There's peace in knowing what God has said do. All right, let's move on. Mark 4, verse 36, first part of the Scripture here, says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Now, this should be so overwhelmingly obvious that we should never, ever have to say it. But here's the next thing that will help you stay away from stress. Make sure God's there. How dumb would it have been for Jesus to say, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. And they go, okay, let's go to the other side of the lake. And they left him. And Jesus is going, hey, 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 I wanted to go too. Where are you going? You're going without me. Sometimes we think that that because I'm I'm a Christian, because I believe in God, because I love Jesus, that every decision I make, God is just going to bless that decision. And that is not the truth. That is not the truth. What we do, we find out what God is saying do. And then we make sure that he's in the middle of it. Just because we know what God says do, sometimes we got to know the timing. Sometimes we've got to know who else he wants involved. Because he does want someone else involved. Very rarely does God call you to do something all by yourself. 
okay? It's called community. We need each other. And I've seen people just jump out into things. I've seen people start ministries. I've seen people become missionaries. And it was God's word to them, but they didn't wait for the timing. They didn't get the people involved that that needed to be involved, and then it came crumbling down, and they wanted to be mad at God. We've got to make sure that God is involved with what we're doing. I see this in relationships all the time, all the time. God puts something inside of us that desires a relationship, okay? Relationships are good. I've, I, I, I've seen wonderful, wonderful young ladies. I want, I want to be married. I want to be a mom. And that's, that's, that's a great relationship. I mean, that's, that's a great desire. But if we move before God says move, we're going to mess something up. You can, you can have uh, the beautiful serving heart of, of a Ruth, and God wants to bring that, that, that godly Boaz into your life. But the problem is sometimes we, we jump before God brings Boaz, and we get stuck with dumbass. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to move when God says move, and when he says wait, we wait. Is God in the middle of what we're doing? This is absolutely the truth. Relationships, some kind of relationship, whether it be a marriage relationship, a business relationship, a friend relationship, it is the number one cause of stress. So stress comes when we're not diligent to make sure that we're following God's plan in God's timing and including those that God wants included. But peace comes when we invite God to be there every step of the way. Amen? All right, moving on. Mark 4, verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. So here's the third thing you can do to avoid stress. Stop thinking life is always going to be perfect because it's not. It's just not. We encounter stress when we have misconceptions of life here on earth. In fact, sometimes the things in life just don't go the way that we've planned it. Jesus talking about this in John 16, 33. This is out of the Passion Translation. He says, everything I've taught you is so that you can have peace. Everything I've taught you is so that you can have peace, which is in me and will be in you and give you great confidence as you rest in me. Now, that's a fantastic verse, isn't it? And if it just stopped right there, I mean, we we would quote that so much. I mean, it would be like... Be like, uh, God shall supply all of my needs. You know, those, those, those little scriptures that, that everybody knows. You know, the ones that people have tattooed on their arms and, and ball players put on their, their eye black and things like that. But it doesn't stop there. 
what Jesus prefaced what he's about to say with. Everything I've taught you, everything I've taught you is so that you can have peace, so you can have confidence, so you can have rest. Why do we need peace? Why do we need confidence? Why do we need to rest? For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble. Now, this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking. There, there are some people that have this misconception. There are preachers that will stand up and preach and say, if you, if you just love Jesus, nothing will ever go wrong in your life. And that's just not true. I, I actually heard a preacher say one time, well, if Paul just knew what we know today, he would have never gone through the things that he went through. I was like, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> the man that wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, the man that had third heaven revelation, and you're trying to say, well, if he just knew what we knew. The problem is you don't know what you know. In this life, you will have trouble. But, but, love it when God's got a big but. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Everything that Jesus did was so they could have peace. Everything that Jesus taught them was so they could have rest. Why? Because there was going to be trouble. But even in the midst of trouble, understand, Jesus has already overcome the world. Jesus has already conquered everything. Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. The question is not whether there will be junk, but what we will do with the junk when it gets thrown at us right? I'm going to share with you the most aggravating scripture in the entire Bible. Most aggravating scripture in the entire Bible. It's James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> consider it an opportunity for great joy. Thank you, Jesus. I'm overdrawn at the bank. <laughs> Woo, the babies are sick again. <laughs> Our car is broken down. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. <sighs> Consider, I'm just, don't act like this doesn't irritate you too. <laughs> Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? Scripture goes on to tell us why. For when your faith is tested, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When we're going through something, when we can begin to see it the way God sees it, we can understand that even in the midst of everything, Lord, I can just, what, what joy? God, I can't fix this, so I'm just excited to see what you're going to do. Endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and in need of nothing. See, stress has no room to operate when we've found the peace of true joy. In the midst of sharknadoes, <laughs> Paul and Silas... Paul and Silas, you know, they wanted to go to Asia. You can read this in Acts. They wanted to go to Asia. But Paul had a dream. 
Paul had a dream, and in the dream he said, there was a, a man from Macedonia saying, come over here, come over here. So they went to Macedonia. And you would think, the preeminent apostle of the New Testament, he's going to do exactly what God told him to do. He's doing it when God said do it. You would think he would have smooth sailing the whole time, right? But you know what happened? He got arrested. He got beaten. He got thrown in the prison. And he didn't just get thrown in the good part of prison, you know, where there's, there, there's cable and magazines and computers and things like that. He got thrown into the inner part of the prison where they put the really bad people. And can you, can you imagine what's going through Silas's mind? There they are sitting in, in this prison. And he's over there thinking, yeah, man of God, had a dream. Had a dream. Oh, we could be in Asia, but no, let's go to Macedonia. Worked out great, didn't it? Now, I, I don't know, you know, that, that, that would have been me. Silas is probably much more holier than I am. But it says that at midnight, you know, midnight is the darkest part of the night. Midnight is the darkest part of the night in the darkest part of the prison, what were they doing? It says they were singing hymns and praising. Now, once again, if this, this had been me and I was sitting there and, you know, maybe Paul starts a song and, you know, I start a song and my song goes something like, gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> For those of you that have never heard that song, let me take a little aside and, and, and educate you. When I was a little boy... Growing up in the late 70s and the, the early 80s, and we went to visit my grandmother who lived outside of any metropolitan area. That meant that when you went to, to, to grandmama's house, there was three channels on the TV. Three channels. There wasn't any cable. There was three channels. And at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, just about the time you're finishing supper, and your mom says, why don't you go spend some time with your grandparents? And they're sitting in there watching TV. You know what you're about to get into. Three channels. There was news on one, and I'm telling you, 8-year-old doesn't care. There was Lawrence Welk, which is a hell I cannot even begin <laughs> to explain. <laughs> then there was hee-haw. Hee-haw, and if, if you don't know what hee-haw is, it was Saturday Night Live for old white people. <laughs> sketch comedy. And there was a sketch that they did almost every time I saw it, where these people just got on, they just complained about how bad their lives were. And it always started out with the song, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. See, there's a bunch of, bunch of old country white people in here. <laughs> but that's not, that is not what Paul and Silas were doing. I don't know why, but every time I read this, I, I, like, to, I like to think that, that Paul and Silas are, are singing the third psalm. Many are they that come against me. 
Many are they that say there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, the glory and the lifter of my head. My head's not going to be hanging. My head is not hanging in sorrow. My head is not hanging in depression. My head is lifted up to see my God of salvation. That's what they were singing. Singing praise, praise to God. And we know that God, God got them out. The whole place began to shake, and God got them out. If we can praise in the deepest part of the prison, at the darkest part of night, we can pray our, praise our way out of some stressful situations. Stress comes when we falsely believe that there will never be struggles in life. Peace comes when we find joy in the storms. And praising God when we don't feel like it, when we don't understand why, we praise. All right. Fourth point here. Mark 4, verse 38. says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown. Here's the fourth way to avoid stress. Wake him up. Wake him up. We encounter stress when we think God is napping on the job. The enemy would try to interpret the situation and suggesting that God doesn't care. But the truth is Jesus was in the boat the whole time. Sometimes we feel like the things that we're going through, where is God, where is God, where is God? God's right there with us the whole time. Jesus never left the boat. Jesus was in the boat. Jesus was there when the storm was raging. And all they needed to do was call out to Jesus. And I want to show you something. Jesus was not mad at them for questioning his care. See, sometimes religious stuff will try to say, don't be honest with God. You know, you may not need to be honest with, uh, you know, the person sitting next to you, how, how bad things are, but I'm going to be honest with God, okay? I may look at you and go, uh, yeah, I need prayer, but it's, it's going to be okay. But when I get with God, it's going to go, where are you? And I'm not the only one. Quit acting like you don't do it. Quit sitting there and go, no, I'm so holy. David, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. In the 10th Psalm, it starts off with, with, why do you stand so far off? And then just a few Psalms later, Psalm 13, he says, will you forget about me forever? Have you ever been there? I have. God, where are you? What's going on? Here's the good thing about David, though. He starts the psalm off with, where are you, God? But by the time he gets to the end, he's praising. That's the difference. That's when he goes from just complaining, when it just comes from, from being ugly and yelling at God and raging against God, to go, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. But by the time we get to the end, God, I trust you. No matter what, I trust you. I might not see it. I might not be able to feel it. I don't know, God, what's going on, but I trust you. Stress comes 
when we think God doesn't care. Well, peace comes when we realize God does not abandon us in the storm. I've blazed through this. <laughs> Nineteen, thank you. 1957. Yeah, finally. Somebody finally says, amen. You did good. You got done fast. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> 1957. Melba Beals was not wanted by the white community in Little Rock, Arkansas. Truth be told, she was even shunned by, by, by some of the black community because they were afraid associating with her would make them a target. But the stress to quit was overcome by her faith in God. She went on to be a very successful journalist. She was the first black woman news reporter on a TV station, news, in San Francisco. She was also one of the first female columnists for People magazine. Later in life, she went and got her doctorate and became a university professor. But she sums up her whole journey, once again in her biography, saying integrating Central High School would become the foundation for a lifetime of sustaining faith and trust. Is what you're going through just meant to be foundational? Is the things that you're struggling with, is it just meant to be foundational? She's saying right here, if I had never gone through what we would consider absolute hell, she said that was the foundation of everything else I ever did in my life. She said that experience enabled me to embark upon a journey of life's challenges with the confidence that Jesus would always be at my side. Do not shy away from, tr from trouble. Do not shy away from struggles because the situation may only be preparing you for what God has for you in the future. So here's the one sentence summary of everything I've said in the last 30 minutes. We can face the storm when we trust the one who's in the boat with us. We can face the storm when we trust the one who is in the boat with us. What do I want you to know? Stress is a bully, and it's out to steal your peace. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel the Holy Spirit bringing joy and strength into the stressful situations. What do I want you to do? I want you to do what God tells you to do. I want you to make sure that he's involved in all of your plans. I want you to stop being discouraged by adverse situations. And most of all, I want you to recognize that Jesus is always in the boat. So call out to him.